turns back around, aim a gun at the window and, and shoot it. Tonight, a puzzling crime in Vancouver and the frustration of the small business owner. Plus, we like to wish everybody happy Basakhi. Subdued long weekend celebrations, even in the absence of restrictions. And we decided we would print 224 in this limited edition. The Haida artist with a personal connection to Ukraine and how he's supporting the relief effort. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. It's been a sad reality for many frustrated Vancouver business owners and operators over the past couple of years. Their stores being constant targets of vandals and thieves. One of the latest examples of this crime spree is captured on a Kitsilano store surveillance camera as someone is spotted firing a bullet through a window. Julia Foy has the details. I am just shocked that it didn't, it didn't shatter. Like, that was lucky. Like, <laughs> that was just a fluke. When Kitsilano business owner Brooke Floyd opened her consignment store on April 5th, she noticed her front window had been damaged. But after reviewing her security video, she couldn't believe what she saw. I literally watched him on, on the video turn around, reach into his girlfriend's purse, and turn back around, aim a gun at the window, and, and shoot it. Floyd says the vandals tried to get in twice, once at 5 a.m. and again two hours later. They didn't actually get in, no. That, so last time that this happened, they, uh, the whole window was smashed and they knew exactly what they were looking for. I had display cases that had expensive sunglasses and watches. They just smashed the display case and, and did a grab and run. Just three weeks ago, the Lululemon store, also on West 4th, was targeted by thieves who stole an estimated $16,000 worth of clothing. Two men were later arrested. Anything with a blue stripe through the tag is 30%. Customers of the In Again store are concerned about the growing crime. That's a bullet hole, we believe, down below it. Oh, shoot. That's terrifying. It is terrifying, and I think that we need to, like, really start kind of cracking down on that, right? And it's like you don't want to feel like you have to be walking on eggshells all the time. In February of last year, Vancouver police arrested 130 people during a month-long crackdown on violent shoplifting and robberies. Operation Arrow followed a huge increase in incidents targeting businesses and terrorizing staff in the city's downtown core. In 45 incidents, our members made arrests where the individuals were either breaching their court-imposed conditions or wanted on outstanding warrants. Floyd says she's lost thousands of dollars in merchandise to thieves, but has had no updates from police. Global reached out to VPD but did not receive a response. It is frustrating. I mean, we'll stick it out and do our best. Maybe we'll put some bars on the window. Floyd is hopeful someone will recognize the couple in this video and call police. Julia Foy, Global News. Transit police have seized a sawed-off 22 caliber rifle. They found it in Surrey last evening during an open liquor and drug trafficking investigation at King George Skytrain Station. A transit police officer shared this photo of the gun alongside a can of Palm Bay on social media. Vancouver's Chinatown has been hit with repeated graffiti vandalism, but a particularly brazen attack last month struck a chord with the community. Today, the artist behind a defaced mural invited the public to help restore their culturally sensitive work. 
And as Kristen Robinson reports, the response was heartwarming. They gave me a wide brush for this one. What started with a few strokes quickly grew into something much greater. Over four hours Saturday, dozens took turns with a paintbrush to help reclaim the art on this wall in Chinatown. There is a sense of ownership. Um, and so that's where, you know, the community effort comes in. I've lived in the neighborhood for over 40 years and I really value the culture and symbols around me. The community deeply disturbed when the mural, which promotes cultural redress and represents diversity and inclusiveness, was blatantly disrespected in March. I ready, ready up there. You need to turn it into, you know, not just being angry. Uh, it's about, it's about action. When I heard about the vandalization on his mural, we were, we were all heartbroken. You know, I asked him at that time, um, well, we gotta, we gotta fix it. The artists wanted the public to be part of the solution and invited the community to participate in the mural's repair. The response, overwhelming. Seeing this is very, you know, like touching and uh, very, people are so supportive and we're really happy to see. Solidarity, it just means that all of us are standing together to make this community better and to treasure our cult public cultural assets. Goodbye Graffiti initially covered up the vandalism before power washing some of it off. Because of the theme of this, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it hits home a little bit, right? It's quite personal. The marks that couldn't be cleaned are now being painted over before the artists finish the restoration and add a permanent graffiti-deterring coat. It's not about our mural, but it's about, like, you know, everyone. You know, in the future, when people walk by, they can probably say, oh, hey, I contributed to that. It becomes everyone's, not just to the artists, it's the communities. The community helping turn hurt into healing. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Vancouver police have made an arrest in connection with an unprovoked attack on a visually impaired senior last month. The 69-year-old victim was walking with a cane in the crosswalk at Thurlow and Alberni Streets on March 31st when police say he was punched in the stomach by a stranger. A 29-year-old man with a history of violent crimes and mental illness was arrested Thursday. And according to a tweet from VPD Deputy Chief Howard Chow, the victim was not physically hurt and it appears there was no prior interaction with the suspect before the assault. The last major public mandate for vaccine card requirements was lifted more than a week ago by the province. But we are clearly still seeing the fallout from the past two years of the COVID-19 pandemic this holiday weekend. As Amadagahi reports to major events in Vancouver, which normally draw large crowds, are more subdued today. Happy Vasaki! For the Sikh community in Vancouver, Saturday marked the celebration of Vasaki. Often described as a celebration of love, it is the day the Khalsa was created. A day for gathering, for food, for freedom. And it is started by our 10th Guru, Guru Gobind Singh Ji. And uh, it's a big occasion for us as this is from where we took the birth. So yeah, lots of food and uh, we were waiting for this festival from last two years because of COVID it didn't happen. On this day the people are very happy. They come to like uh, the, to pray here and uh, make wishes. 
like uh, there's the religious day we are enjoying the food is like for everyone uh, not uh, this no there is not any discrimination on any religion anyone can come and have a joyful day but events despite no limitation on capacity still bore the impacts of the pandemic once again this year surrey's famous Vasaki parade is cancelled while here in Vancouver, the Khalsa Dewan Society chose to hold a smaller celebration on its Gurdwara property. Tremendous response because after two years of absence, no function has been held, so community is responding very well. Also Saturday, at BC Place, the costumes were as creative as they've ever been, but Rugby Sevens fans seem to gather in smaller numbers than previous years. Still not crowded in here yet, but hopefully it gets back to what it was. It feels good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. The uncertainty of COVID variants and the amount of time in advance it takes to plan the Vasaki parades we're used to seeing led to the muted celebrations. But for those still gathered in Vancouver Saturday, oh, they went home with hope and excitement for potentially next year. Emadagahi, Global News. With demand for new and used cars soaring right now, you may be considering buying a vehicle through a private sale to possibly save a few bucks. But this fall, the province will change how much provincial sales tax will be applied to such purchases, which has critics saying the government will now be determining how much the car is worth, regardless of how much money actually changes hands. Our report tonight is from CKPG News. Let's paint a picture of the current used car market. Since the microchip shortage began two years ago, stock has been lower than ever. And because of that, the price for whatever sticking ground used car lots is inflated. To times like these, Larry Jardine has never seen before. Never. 50 years I've been doing this, and this is the first time ever where we had to pay thousands of dollars more for the same vehicle we were buying before the pandemic. And at this time, the B.C. government is changing the tax structure on used cars, specifically those sold privately. Dealership deals are excluded, but a good deal you might find online might not be so good anymore. Well, really what's happening is the province is essentially treating everyone as if they're tax cheats and, and tax criminals and saying that they will now uh, tell you how much uh, your car is worth if you buy a used car, and that's the tax, the value you'll pay tax on. The difference comes on the transfer paper. Before, you'd pay tax on what you wrote on this form. Now the province will decide what you'll pay based on their system. They'll have the, the book value rating system by October of this year, they're saying, so that's when it'll officially take effect in terms of what you would see as you go into ICBC to, to deal with your paperwork. The opposition calls this unnecessary. In response, the province calling it anything but. Finance Minister Selena Robinson saying it's disingenuous criticism. The only change here is the amount you'll pay is calculated on the amount paid in the sale or the wholesale value of the car, saying it's not a new tax. If you don't agree with the value the province has your car at, you'll have to get it appraised. It's just mind-boggling that they're doing something like this. It's already fundamentally unfair to charge PST on any used item. It's already really bad for them to be charging 12% PST on used vehicles. Now, they're adding insult to injury, and they're saying that you're lying when you tell them how much you paid for a used vehicle. This should be ripped up and thrown in the garbage can. Caden Fanshawe, CKPG News.
A stretch of Highway 1 east of Golden will be closed for one month. Known as Kicking Horse Canyon, the road will be closed this Tuesday until Friday, May 20th. So that construction can take place on a four-kilometer stretch of the highway, crews will be installing safety improvements and doubling the number of lanes from two to four. Drivers can use Highway 93 and Highway 95 as an alternate route, which will add about 90 minutes of extra travel time. The B.C. Trucking Association says this will increase costs for truckers, and those costs could be passed on to you, the consumer. New attacks on Ukraine's capital region just ahead on tonight's news hour. The warning for residents of Kyiv and the grim update from the U.N.'s Human Rights Commission. Plus, a Haida artist's unique relationship with Ukraine and his goal to give back. Welcome back. Turning to the war in Ukraine now. Officials are urging residents of Kyiv not to return home as the capital region comes under renewed fire from Russian forces. The latest attacks come as the U.N.'s Human Rights Commission delivers a grim update. More than 1,900 civilians are now estimated to have died since the war broke out. More than 160 of them children. Global's Reggie Cicchini looks at the latest Russian offensive that is targeting major cities across the country. But first, a warning. Some of the images in this story are disturbing. This is a grim sign in a city hanging by a thread. Russia claiming it's in control of a steel plant in Mariupol, one of the last remaining outposts of the Ukrainian forces in that city. An attack on a makeshift military installation that resulted in civilian loss. Russians uh, have shown that they are willing to use anything and everything to try and subjugate our country. Russia now claims it's cleared all Ukrainian troops from Mariupol, and if so, it would mark a first victory. If confirmed, Kyiv says that would end talks with Moscow. But the military push still continues across besieged Luhansk, while shelling proved deadly in Kharkiv, hitting an administrative building. The blast wave partially damaged nearby buildings, including an apartment, this official says. Moscow has threatened to increase its attacks. Possible retaliation for the sinking of a warship, the Kremlin claims, was due to a fire. In Lviv, the Easter and Passover weekend brought new threats, where it's reported Russian missiles were taken out by the country's air defense system. For us, there is no question here. We're fighting for our very existence and for our future. Fighting that's earned soldiers the respect of their president, who awarded them medals on Saturday for bravery in the past, against the agony of the present. We put a photo of him there. He was always smiling, says this mother, whose son died fighting for Ukraine. She's afraid Russia will return and destroy this graveyard in Trotsienest, one dotted with landmines. Unthinkable atrocities are now an everyday thought, with more than 900 civilians already recovered from mass graves around Kyiv. Now, under the threat of a more intense fight in the east, lies the evergreen request for more weapons from the West. Hundreds of millions of dollars worth are being sent this weekend, but officials in the United States fear that could be expended within days of arrival. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Prior to the invasion, an acclaimed local Haida artist had been preparing for an exhibit in Kyiv this year, but now he's turned his attention and talents to supporting victims of the war. He has a personal connection, having visited the country three years ago. Here's Global's Paul Johnson. Something called Haida Manga. Uh, 
I decided to take that Haida iconic form and merge it with manga, Asian comic books. A visit to the North Fen studio of Haida artist Michael Nicol Yagalanis is a look at an intriguing vision, drawing on his art, his heritage, and his hopes for the world. The whole conversation around reconciliation is simply because we've been unable to see each other as humans. Haida manga is, a, is an approach to find the human in the art. Building bridges between people with art was also the inspiration for this piece done on the hood of a car, intended for a gallery exhibit later this year in Kiev, Ukraine. We painted it with a design of a woman and a child on a horse riding across this gilded plain of gold and, and platinum leaf. And uh, that was going to be the keystone piece in the Kiev exhibit, which is now being postponed. Determined to still do something, Yagalanis joined forces with Malaspina printers, and they've made 224 prints of the hood painting. It's called Kiev Child. Proceeds from sales will go to UNICEF and Doctors Without Borders. We decided we would print 224 in this limited edition uh, because February 24th was the day that Putin invaded Ukraine. Working on panels for a new piece destined for Berlin this fall, Yagalanis says channeling his emotions into the art has been a way to feel less helpless about it all. It's like Russians right now. We've, we've got to figure out a way to differentiate between Putinists and Russians. And it's a challenge. It's not easy. Um, um, Heidemanga is an effort to try and cut through all the clutter. In North Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Just ahead, Brady, the 12-pound hero. Oh, I was like so like impressed because I've always like wondered what he would do if something like that happened. And now I know. We'll tell you what the little dog did when his owner plunged down an embankment. Plus, how listening to ACDC in the operating room could make surgeons faster and, more importantly, more accurate. It's like a plot straight out of Littlest Hobo. An Edmonton woman's pup came to her aid this week after she took a big fall while out for a walk. Global's Nicole Stilger has the details. Meet little Brady, 12 pounds of pure sweetness. He's my boy, my baby, aren't you? On Wednesday, Brady and his person, Maya Stock, were out for a walk along this trail in Riverdale. Maya moved onto the embankment to take a picture when she says the ground suddenly gave way. Like head over heels, it just tumbled down. And I just remember thinking like, I'm going to hit the water, I'm going to hit the water, oh no, I'm going to hit the water, but then I didn't hit the water somehow. Maya fell about 50 feet. When I like came to and I realized like how like, how far down I was and I couldn't get back up, I just started, started panicking. I was so scared. Maya was able to call her mom. When she looked up, she saw Brady looking down at her. What happened next left her in awe. He was just running around circling here with like a note with the leaves just running around. And so um, people came and saw him just running around and he ran up to them and like barked and whined and like herded them over here. And then they looked over and saw me. Luckily, the people that uh, Brady uh, brought here to, to help her, um, I could find them. And so that's what actually helped me find her. One of those people called 911. Emergency crews quickly arrived, pulled her up to safety and took her to the hospital. Relieved more than anything. I mean, it was just amazing that she didn't get hurt more. 
considering it's about a 50-foot straight drop. Maya was stuck down there for about an hour, but it could have been longer if not for Brady. Dog was amazing, something like uh, Lassie. Oh, I was like so like impressed because I've always like wondered what he would do if something like that happened. And now I know it was not a good way to find out. Caution signs are up in the area now. Oddly enough, this isn't the first time something like this has happened to Maya. I fell into the river actually and I was unconscious in the river. And then my friend came in and like pulled me out of the river. So <laughs> the second time falling off a cliff. This time around, Maya's dealing with a concussion and soreness. Grateful it wasn't worse. Happy her little hero was with her. Nicole Stilger, Global News. COVID lockdown frustration has reached a boiling point in Shanghai where a rare protest took place. <laughs> a man was escorted away by police after protests at several housing complexes being used as COVID-19 quarantine sites. The demonstration came amid mounting public frustration over the strict lockdown in China's financial center. China has a zero COVID strategy and Shanghai is now at the center of China's worst outbreak since the pandemic began. In Health Matters tonight, a study suggests you may want music to be playing while you're under the knife of a surgeon. Yes, the findings suggest playing songs like Highway to Hell by ACDC in the operating theater caused surgeons to perform certain tasks up to 70% faster without impeding accuracy. Trials showed such songs reduced the time it took surgeons to make precise cuts by almost 100 seconds while improving accuracy by 5%. Researchers also found the Beatles, Hey Jude and Let It Be caused surgeons to stitch up wounds 50% faster. But that positive effect went away if the music was played too loudly. Surveys have shown a majority of surgeons play music while on the job, with most favoring classic rock. The study was published in the journal Langenbeck's Archives of Surgery. Well, there you have it. Just ahead, serving up hope. This is amazing, amazing. This is the only place that I get to eat. The UGM Easter meal service, even more important this year, given the recent Gastown fire. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Welcome back. Thanks for spending part of your long weekend with us. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell is here now. Not a perfect day, but not too bad either. <laughs> no, it's not bad. Uh, Easter weekend, we've got some bright spots out there. It's been breezy. We have seen a bit of instability, especially across the island. We're still tracking the potential and the risk of thunderstorms. Here's what we're looking at. Overlooking the west, though, ominous looking clouds out there. So a heads up, we'll still hang on to a chance of showers for most areas across Metro Vancouver. We're currently sitting at 10 degrees. We've got a southwesterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. It was very chilly this morning. We were down to minus one and it was a new record low. The record low for this uh, was one degree and that was set back in 1968. So we've got a new record low and we're still below the average for this time of the year that typically sits at 13 degrees. A record on this day for record highs would be 23 and that was back in 1947. A few isolated showers will be possible, especially for eastern areas and extending into the Fraser Valley evening, overnight and for tomorrow morning. And we have have seen some lightning strikes pop up across the island and it'll be cold enough once again for the early morning hours that we could see some wet flurries in the mix and then a few isolated showers will be possible but we've got a nice lull in the action for Easter Sunday and this is what we're anticipating for most areas along the south coast through the day for tomorrow. 
if you're planning that Easter egg hunt. And then this will be the next weather maker that is going to move in. So the plan overnight tonight, still chilly, a 30% chance of a shower. We are looking at the risk of frost once again for the early morning hours. And then through the day tomorrow, we do have some breaks with highs even getting up to 12 degrees. Overnight tonight, we can see the precipitation easing off along the island as well. For the early morning hours, it'll really be in towards the Fraser Valley that will see more cloud cover with those showers. And then it does ease off with that break, lull in the action. And then late tomorrow evening, it'll likely be overnight that we'll start to see some rain moving in and then soggy for Easter Monday so far. And then we'll continue to see windy, windy conditions as well. Northern half of the province, though, most areas along the coast, some bright spots for tomorrow. Inland, even getting up to 12 degrees. The flurries are for the northeastern corners of the province, much of the central interior. It's a mix of sun and cloud. Quinnell will bump up to 12 degrees. Bit of a blip in the forecast, though, for the southeastern corners of the province. It'll be chilly for the morning hours, and we are looking at the slight chance for some wet flurries, isolated showers, and then easing off through the day. Highs for Kamloops tomorrow, getting up to 15 degrees, more of a clearing on the way towards the afternoon for Whistler. And along the south coast and for Metro Vancouver, it's really the Fraser Valley. We'll still see that potential for some showers in the morning hours and then clearing through the afternoon. 12 will be the high for Metro Vancouver, but keep in mind, risk of frost for the morning hours. We are going to see that increase in cloud cover for tomorrow night. Rain developing, soggy on Monday, and then rebounding once again for our Tuesday. Jordan? All right, Yvonne, thank you. The Union Gospel Mission has served its annual Easter meal to those in need. More than 2,400 meals to go were served in the downtown east side today. It takes a lot to make this happen. 1,300 pounds of ham, 400 pounds of vegetables, and 400 pies. Volunteers like to say it's a hand up, not a handout. It's been an especially difficult week for some of the clients having lost their homes in the Gastown fire. This is amazing, amazing. This is the only place that I get to eat. I ate here yesterday, and that was the last time that I ate, and this means everything to me. To be able to come somewhere, to connect, to know that he is loved and cared for, and that there's a hot meal, there's somewhere to stay, there's clothes that can be provided to him, means everything. Now, our videographer, Randy Manny, was so touched by Doug's loss, he gave him the jacket off his back. In a moment, that moved a Vancouver Sun reporter to tweet about it. He just had this little T-shirt on, and um, he was shaking. And it was chilly. It was uh, today, but it was in the shade where we were. And he was shaking while he was talking. And he also mentioned he'd, um, he'd had a kidney transplant a few months ago, which is pretty serious. Um, and he's recovering from that. Randy's daughter, Alana, works with the UGM and has told him all about the challenges people face. The Union Gospel Mission is a charity that served more than 275,000 meals last year. I'm not surprised at all. Randy, one of the nicest guys we'll meet. He's a good one. Steph, yeah. For sure. Barry, what's ahead in sports? Well, it's busy around here, certainly, with uh, the Billie Jean King Cup tennis going on at the Coliseum, the HSBC Rugby at BC Place. We have highlights of both of those. Whitecaps were in Montreal today, and unfortunately, same old story. Another slow start. They rallied and didn't give up, but uh, fell just short. They thought they tied the match in the final seconds, but called back on that darn video review for offside. So uh, highlights of that coming up. And Vanny, who's usually a pretty chipper guy, kind of giving <laughs> it to his team after the game. So we'll have all that coming up. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up on the News Hour, helping the animals left behind during war. We hear from a Canadian vet who's just returned from Ukraine when we come back.
This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team, and let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Every week, Ukrainian refugees arrive in Canada grateful for their escape from the conflict in their homeland. But now the struggle is to connect with those in their new community. And that's where a special barbecue in Kelowna comes in. Darian Matassafun reports. We just want uh, them to f- feel welcome here. That's, that's our main goal. Kids being kids, running around, having fun and waving a few flags. Some normalcy for Ukrainian children who have been experiencing anything but normal life for the past couple months. First days in Canada. So my idea from very beginning, they need to get good impression of people here and, uh, and meet new friends. So they feel uh, uh, right at home. A networking barbecue event took place in downtown Kelowna for Ukrainian refugees to connect with local residents and volunteers. Not only were refugees connecting with local residents, they were able to connect with other refugees as well. We came here, uh, we have same age, her daughter and the daughter in other family is the same age, so they're very happy to meet and they will uh, keep this uh, friendship going. She, she, she's very good, she's very happy about that. The barbecue was also a fundraising event for Ukraine. One Kelowna resident stopped by and donated around $800 worth of military-grade goggles that will be sent to the Ukrainian military. I just see them really doing something and it literally just breaks my heart what's going on in Ukraine and I I just can't stand by and do nothing. Kelowna Stands with Ukraine has now raised more than $240,000. The group is planning an art exhibition and auction after it received a briefcase full of children drawings from bomb shelters in Ukraine that they want to exhibit. No date has been set for that yet, but Kelowna Stands with Ukraine says people can stay connected to their social media for future events. Darian Matassa, Fun Global News, Kelowna. Meanwhile, a Calgary thrift store has teamed up with a local animal welfare organization to help raise money for pets left behind in Ukraine. And as Global's Carolyn Curry de Castillo reports, a Canadian vet who has just returned from volunteering in Ukraine says animals are running out of food and medicine. Sue Gaberry's family came to Canada as refugees in the 1970s. She runs a thrift store that donates proceeds to animal shelters. Now she's teamed up with a Calgary charity to raise funds for Ukrainian refugees who have had to leave their pets behind. I'm hoping it'll surpass the 3,000 that we're going to match and help just truly help all those animals that are left behind at no fault of their own. Parachutes for Pets founder Melissa David made connections with several animal welfare groups in Ukraine and Romania. Through donations from Calgary, they've been able to send food to animal shelters and help provide care packages for pets to Ukrainians arriving in Alberta. They are absolutely humbled and grateful um, and just so happy that Canada and Alberta has welcomed them with open arms and thought about the pets. Dr. Cliff Redford returned home on April 3rd after spending two weeks in Poland and Ukraine delivering supplies and treating animals. The Markham, Ontario veterinarian was at a shelter in Lviv that was caring for 300 dogs. Normally it would have 100. The sheer numbers and the need for food and medical supplies was, uh, was, was extreme and Natalia was almost in tears 
when we dropped off this thousand pounds of food that we had and then all these medical supplies. He said there's a critical need for the donated vaccines and antibiotics from Canada. Desperately needed because Ukraine, in Ukraine, the veterinarians get most of their medicine from Russia. And now that's been cut off. In addition to helping animals in Ukraine, Redford says efforts are underway to bring abandoned pets to Canada. We're actually trying to make uh, make arrangements to get a large number of them here to the GTA, to the Toronto area, where we can then find their, their new forever homes and, and make them Canadian citizens and uh, help take care of them. But uh, it's a pretty tragic, tragic story for both people and, and animals. Carol and Curry, DeCastillo, Global News. A status update on a key Canuck. Plus, the Whitecaps did not have a great day in Montreal. Very delay his post-game reaction next. Explore the Vancouver Aquarium. When you visit, you can see over 65,000 amazing animals across 120 exhibits, including a clever octopus, splashing sea lions, otters, and more. Plus, be immersed in a 4D movie experience. Info at vanaqua.org. Don't miss The Kink in My Hair by Trey Anthony playing at the Arts Club Theatre. See this heartbreaking and uplifting musical testament depicting the challenges and triumphs in the lives of contemporary black women. Tickets at artsclub.com. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you in part by the Salvation Army's Transform, an evening of philanthropy to rebuild Vancouver's downtown east side. Not a good start for the Whitecaps, Barry. No, tonight and also pretty much this entire yeah. season. It's been a bit of a groundhog's day, the bad way. Thanks very much, Jordan. Last season, the Whitecaps dug themselves a big hole before a tremendous late-season charge got them into the playoffs. Unfortunately, the Whitecaps are digging themselves another huge hole again this season. It is a dangerous way to play. Vancouver suffered its fifth loss in seven matches today in Montreal, falling behind early yet again before almost pulling off a miracle draw in the late stages. Caps still looking for their first road point, 0-3 going in, outscored 9-2. Couldn't have gotten off to a worse start. A minute in, Alistair Johnson, the Canadian national teamer, with the service to Dorde Mihailovic, who finishes easily. Way too much time and space to operate. Caps chasing again. Two minutes into the second half, same thing. Caps are still asleep, and it's uh, Romel Kyoto all alone in front. They checked for offside. It was okay. 2-0 Montreal, and the Caps dig a deeper hole. But they decide to up the work rate. It pays off. Lucas Cavallini... Tries the desperation bicycle kick, misses, but Brian White is there. His first of the season, and the Caps are back in at 2-1. They carried the play, and in stoppage time, Russell Tybert whips it into the box, and Toysant Ricketts with the looping header into the back of the net. An incredible finish. The Whitecaps looking like they're stealing a point in Montreal, but hold everything upon further review. Ricketts just offside and the goal rightly taken back a tough break for the caps who rallied hard but vanny was steamed at his club for yet another lethargic start we cannot afford to give chunk of games or to sleep at the beginning or at both halves and uh, and uh, being always the team who needs to chase because in this way it's going to be really hard the season is very long but 
uh, we need to change. We need to change uh, book and uh, and be much better. HSBC Rugby Sevens from BC Place. Canada lost its opener 26-10 to Australia, taking on number one ranked South Africa in their second match. Canada down at the half, but they rally. Little pooch kick here, and the Canadians get a fortunate bounce and take advantage. David Richard gets the try, and it's now 12-7. And then another hometown bounce for Canada. It'll be Phil Berna, great back pass to Cooper Coates, who takes it in for the try. Canada poised for a massive upset, leading 14-12 to 12 over South Africa. But the blitz box, strike late. Selvin Davids will take it in in a valiant effort by Canada, roused up by that great crowd, but they fall 19-14 to number one ranked South Africa. They just played Spain, however, and won. 26-21, so Canada 1-2 and two today. They'll play more tomorrow. And at the Pacific Coliseum, Canada made quick work of Latvia at this weekend's Billie Jean Cut King Cup. Leila Annie Fernandez dusted her opponent in just one hour today, 6-2-6-1. So Canada advances to the Billie Jean King Cup finals this November. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino won her match yesterday, so a great weekend for the Canadian women at the Coliseum. The Canucks are off until Monday when they host Dallas in another must-win. Uh, good news today, though, Brock Besser did practice with the team, and they are hoping he can play Monday along with Matthew Highmore. That won't make up for losing Bo Horvat for the rest of the regular season with a foot injury, but it beats not having these two guys play. Canucks are four points behind L.A. for a playoff spot. There's still a chance, but they got to keep adding to the win streak, which stands at five games. NHL tonight, Vegas Golden Knights in Edmonton. Vegas three up on the Canucks. Vegas is ninth, but the Oilers did Vancouver a big favor. Late first, Zach Cassian sets up Chris Russell's first goal in over three years. one nothing Edmonton after one. Oilers have played great recently, and they can thank 40-year-old Mike Smith, who's finally healthy after about three or four injuries this year. 39 saves tonight, second straight shutout, just four goals against in his last five games, all wins. Oilers also got secondary scoring, Warren Fogle with the steal races in. Oilers win 4-0 despite no points for McDavid and Dreisaitl, so that's good news for the Canucks as Vegas remain three up on Vancouver, but with one more game played. Also tonight, Stars and Sharks from Dallas, Stars five points up on the Canucks, Stars strike first, Ryan Suter with the shot. Jamie Benn deflects it. Tyler Sagan finishes it off. 1-0 Dallas. And then in the second, while shorthanded, it's uh, Michael Raffle. 2-0 stars after two. Doesn't look like the Canucks will get a good result in this one. And we'll show you this. Yeah, Rangers' Alexis Lafreniere showing why he was the number one overall pick two years ago. A Broadway-worthy move there to score against the Wings. 4-0 New York gets the victory. Lafreniere with 17 goals. Rangers tied with Carolina atop the Atlantic with 104 points. NBA playoffs starting today. Raptors in Philly for game one against the 76ers. Second quarter. Precious a chew. A nice feed to OG Ananobi who takes it in for the jam. Raps trailed by just three. But Toronto had problems with the Philly big man. Joel Embiid takes it strong. Basket and the foul. Sixers led by 18 at the half, 69-51. Therese Maxey also had a big night. Drives, draws contact. He can count it. Maxey 
taking it up a notch, and then, <coughs> excuse me, and then from long distance, the uh, three from deep. Maxi drills it a game high 38. It's a blowout for the Sixers. But to make matters even worse, the Raps' fine rookie Scotty Barnes gets stepped on by Embiid, goes down hard. It's an ankle injury, and that's a pretty bad night for the Raps. They lose big, and who knows if Barnes can play game two Monday, 131-111, the final. Baseball today, Blue Jays and Oakland A's from Rogers Center. It's the former Oakland Athletic, Matt Chapman, beats up his former team with a two-run blast in the sixth, cuts the Oakland lead to 5-4. Next hitter, Zach Collins, another new Blue Jay, and he will go deep as he will take this one to right field. First homer is a Blue Jay. Back-to-back jacks for Toronto. It's 5-5, and the uh, Rogers Center crowd loving it. Top of the ninth, though, Christian Pache will quiet things up a bit. Drills one to right center, a two-run homer, and the A's beat the Jays 7-5, so Toronto's record drops to 5-4. FA Cup semis, it's a battle of the Giants, Liverpool, and Manchester City. Reds come out on fire. Score just nine minutes in. Ibrahima Kanate past the surprise starter, Zach Steffen, the American, the Brazilian Ederson, resting for league play, we suppose, and then... A few minutes later, Stefan, wow, this is costly, very casual, and Sadio Mane makes him pay. Ooh, that makes it 2-0 Liverpool. Manchester City have to be in shock. A very deflating goal to give up, 2-0 Liverpool. And then before the half, this is, uh, well, this is brilliant. Sané one more time smashing the volley into the corner. 3-0 at that point. They hang on for the 3-2 win. They advance to the FA Cup final at Wembley. The other semi between Chelsea and Crystal Palace goes tomorrow. Meanwhile, in EPL play, Man United and Norwich City. It was another memorable display from Cristiano Ronaldo already with two in the match. Free kick for the hack trick is a thumper to the back of the net. And Man United... Win it 3-2. to two. They are back up to fifth in the standings. And we'll finish with some golf. Third round of the RBC Heritage from Harbor Town in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Canadian Corey Connors in the hunt yet again. Rolls in the birdie at nine. Corey tied 13th at seven under. Surrey's Adam Svensson also at minus seven. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford minus five. And Roger Sloan minus two. So all the BC boys making the cut except for Nick Taylor. They're all chasing Harold Varner. Birdie at 16, Varner leads at minus 11. Now he won in Saudi Arabia on the Asian Tour earlier this year, but still looking for that first PGA Tour win of his career. And that is it for sports. Jordan, back to you. All right, thanks, Barry. When we come back, the BC man who fought off a cougar to save his daughter's dog. Canadians are making the shift to talk radio done different. So come join the conversation. What do you need to share in the world? What do you need to get off your heart? It's The Shift with Shane Hewitt. Weeknights at 10 on 980 CKNW. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the hub. The Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. A plumber from Grand Forks is being called a hero by his daughter after he didn't think twice before jumping into action to fight off a cougar that was attacking her dog. Dear. Nine-year-old Red is at home recovering and showing off her battle wounds. These ones on her belly were the worst ones. 
And then she got a couple of stitches here and some in her back. Ian Orser and his daughter Megan were at a job site east of Grand Forks on April 9th when they heard a screech and a howl. My daughter Megan ran down to where the noise was and the cougar had drugged her dog across the driveway onto the other side of the driveway and at that point had it by the head. Ian, age 69, ran to the rescue and delivered a couple of swift kicks to the cougar's cranium. It let go of the dog, okay, basically. I grabbed a stick and then I started shaking the stick around. And The beast had backed off, but not fled. Ian and Megan loaded up injured Red and their two other dogs in the pickup and raced for the vet. We just jumped in the truck and we started heading down the driveway. The cougar was still there in the driveway and I... I tried to run the cougar over as it was running down the driveway, but uh, he ran off to the side of the road and got away. Ian says conservation officers eventually located the emaciated cougar and it was euthanized. Red needed 20 stitches to close her puncture wounds, but seems to be doing fine. Hello. She's fine. She's playing with the other dogs now, so she's on the mend for sure. Alongside a smiling owner, grateful for Dad's swift intervention. My dad's a hero. He saved my dog's life. Very cute. Quick word on the Easter egg forecast, Yvonne. We've got some dry conditions through the afternoon with some sunshine, increasing cloud cover, rain late tomorrow. All right. That is tonight's news hour. Thanks for watching. Krista Dow will be here with Global News at 11. Good night.